Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at Pod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk. And if busting makes you feel good, you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Or shoot over and get some groovy merchandise at society6.com forward slash filmbusters. All right, can we just get on with this now, please? Filmbusters. Right, everyone get ready for Adam to have 10 minutes of really excitement because he won in the go-karting, didn't you, Adam? Well, I won out of us, yes. Yes. Are you, are you very excited about that? You, you... Well, I, I, I do deep down inside feel like I could have beaten everybody, but I wasn't... The, the, the circumstances and the conditions we were racing under... I felt like I could have beaten everyone. You're a disgusting Worst human being. Every time I've been go-karting, I've always won. Oh, you're gross. You're such Why a liar am I gross? Well. Oh, oh. Why? Basically, Adam was cheating a lot during this game. How was I cheating? <laughs> that said the pot to the kettle. Paul smashed me off the fucking track, man. T-boned me. And the wardens, part of the wardens game. didn't even black flag. They specifically said you weren't allowed to do that. And he fucking T-boned me <laughs> on the corners. Spun me, man. And they didn't fucking stop it just because it was his stag. Hey, people don't know what we're talking about. I went on my stag do. We went go-karting. We went yes, paintballing. We, we, we went on a, um, uh, a escape room. We went drinking in an off-license. Yeah, we did. <laughs> we went on a tour of London of all the spots in London that don't have a pub in. Yes. Okay, South London. <laughs> it wasn't South London, listeners, please. I need, to, I need to reveal something. I need to reveal something on the podcast. Mm. Something, some uh, intel I got that Ben doesn't know about. Uh-oh. Is this appropriate? So, uh, I was on my way home, and yeah. I heard some information about the escape room. You heard some information about yeah. the escape room? I heard room. that when we went in, Ben, we were on yeah. two separate teams, correct? Yes, it was me me and Ben on one team, and Adam on another team. There was five of us in each group. Yeah. When we went in, as soon as we went in, Adam went to the people who, who owned the place and said... Can you show us how to solve it so we can get out quicker yeah. than they can? Yeah. Oh, what, what a, a fucking cheat. cheater. What a filthy <laughs> cheat. Yeah. I couldn't be bothered with the escape room. I'm not, and I was, guess course, what? You didn't get you out quicker than us. No, he didn't because he didn't help us. And also, I'm not being funny. We had the two drunkest people on our team <laughs> who were fucking everything up. <laughs> you know when you've got to push it at the same time? What was your... Yeah, but- was it your sister's boyfriend's name he kept pushing over random buttons and we had to restart again apparently you did nothing in there Adam okay yeah. very quickly yes uh, apparently only two people who were actually doing something on the team Jamie said yeah. to me like why the fuck were we in there with that with that one because he did nothing after the first five minutes he just stood there <laughs> and I was I felt like saying to him this is what podcasting with Adam's like also turns up for five minutes and it does fuck all <laughs> oh Adam we love well, you. Well, I wouldn't say I did my bits on dominoes and stuff. I was doing other random projects beforehand. 
projects. Just random projects, nothing to do with the escape room, just filling with bits. No, I, I was doing like another little sequence bit. You know when you've got like three or four puzzles, I was doing one, I was letting them two do the other. I'm sure you, you did your duty. With I did my duty, and, yes. And all I want to say is I had a lovely time. Thank you so much That's for coming along. I, I had a wonderful sack. How were your bruises? Uh, I was, yeah, I, I was made to um, wear a cheerleading outfit during paintball. And then I was put on a team on my own. There was ten of us in this this game. Everyone was was from our stag do, so we could just shoot each other as much as we want. I was put on a team on my own, and I had to run across and try and take everyone out to make them on my team. And I I I think I pretty much smashed it. Did you get everyone in sixty seconds? I didn't get everyone. Or I got I pretty much got everyone, and then Carl shot me in the back twenty times, and that's where all my marks have come from. <laughs> Oh, wow. I was like Platoon. Kyle I was willing also to phone. shot his when that happened. He also shot his own brother in the back of the head. Yeah, Carl was just shooting everyone on his own team. Carl's my brother, everyone. He is a uh, a mess. <laughs> the loose cannon. I had met him once before. I think it was after Zoe's thirty. If we went back to your house, if I remember correctly, mm. he was being very antagonistic to me that night i don't know why he was very very antagonistic but then when i saw him this time i was like all right this is just your general disposition to everyone all the time <laughs> yeah there you go it was well, a lot of fun listeners it was a lot of fun we had some great time um, but anyway shall we move on to actually what we're doing on this episode today hang on before we do that let's do two shout outs um because you can at the moment find the film busters spread a little thin because we're all over the place this month we're not you can't just find us on the film busters podcast uh adam very recently as recent as yesterday uh appeared in a newly released episode from the podcast when the kid goes down talking about after hours yes adam i went did solo yes i did I you actually solos. did a good job as well adam. did i did, mate. say i listened to it this morning Look, i haven't listened to it yet and i probably won't listen to it i said to jenny you will not believe how Adam was on this podcast. He sounds like a fucking like an absolute. He gave his best podcasting performance. Do you know what I'm on someone say? else's podcast? They were very professional and they came along very professional and very all mates. Mate, and- we are fucking professional. It's you that aches. And everyone was like, had their moments to talk and everything. Man, like we don't give this guy moments to talk. I know. I just don't take them. <laughs> Adam was very good. He was very well, good. Well, he well he took that he took that praise gracefully, didn't he? Yes. Just then. Yes. <laughs> he did. Just slagging us off. Uh, yeah, very good performance. Well done. Uh, and you could you can also find uh, me and Paul on the first edition of of Movie Busters, i.e., on Movie Drones podcast, uh, where we we went on their podcast, didn't we, Paul? Yes, we did. Speaking about 1993's Cliffhanger, we brought 1993 to their podcast. Yes, it was a lot of fun. It was a hell of a lot of fun. We're keeping the 1993 good ship going. Mm, might as well. We're in 98, aren't we? No, sir. Oh, come on now. In this, what world? See, this is the effort that he brings into this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought this film was 98. No, We've never done 98. Sir. We did 97. <laughs> We're in 1993. Oh, wow. Do you know why that is? Because I was looking yesterday about films I was going to pick. And I went on to my films from 98, and I was like, I don't remember any of these being an option before, and these <laughs> options are terrible. So you well, still don't know what you're picking for 93? No. Because I remember Good. there being certain films, I was like, hang on a second, I might pick that film, but they weren't there. Well, there you go. Well, yeah, we're doing 93. 
we're doing Sonatine. This is this is Ben's pick. But before we go on to that, we're going to do a little segue again. We're going to go talk about our patron. we got a patron at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. We get exclusive content, exclusive monthly roundups, exclusive episodes and films that our patrons suggest and stuff like that and subjects they want us to talk about. And it's just all very lovely over there. And it's very cheap. It's very cheap. Cheap. Cheap, cheap, cheap. cheap. Yes, cheap like a little cheap, cheap, cheap. bird in a nest. Cheap, 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 cheap. cheap like Tommy Wiseau sassing cheap, someone cheap, in cheap. the room. <laughs> <laughs> You've become a patron, just like the likes of Jason Clarkson. He's one of our newest and freshest patrons. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You also have the likes of Leek Human. You also have Steve from Movie Drone. You also have Katie and OT. They're Australians and they wear those little hats with corks on them. And they also do a podcast called For Your Reference. They do. And you also have Julio from The Contrarians, who's from America. Correct. You also have Sean Panda Nicholson. Who does music. He's a Scottish and he's also Scottish, just like Jamie Russell, who's a teacher as well. Um, and next up, you have Nerdrovert. He's from Albuquerque. He's, he's from he's from Albuquerque, yeah, and he's he's from the the village of uh, Better Call Saul. Yes, that's right. Is he actually? Well, that's where it's isn't it in Albuquerque? It's is a it state, though, isn't it? Maybe is that is that where uh, his practice is? Saul. Oh no, Albuquerque is an an area, isn't it? New Mexico's a, is it? New Mexico's the state. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Maybe. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. That. I don't well. know nothing about these these American places. <laughs> It's all Greek to me. Or American. Or American. <laughs> um, Fiona Stewart, the Joaquin Phoenix mega fan, is also still signed up. She's still listening, dear ones. Can you she believe is. this? Every She's episode. To every episode, despite the fact that we slagged off the, the one time she signed up. Let's all whisper behind her back. The only yes. reason she signed up is because we did an exclusive review of Come On, Come On at the London Film Festival, which was appalling. And at the time, she made it known that she didn't agree with what was said about it yet she continues to pledge her support so bless her bless her she's not actually listening still but she keeps giving us her money every month so don't tell her (laughs) keep it quiet it's a secret (laughs) we also have philip barantini the wonderful director of boiling points thank you that is all our patrons you are absolutely wonderful thanks for all your support and we love you yes we try to give you good stuff uh on and off the main episodes. Oh, I hope so. Should we move ever so slightly closer to uh, Sonatine, Ben? Yes. Should we do a little quiz? Let's do it. All right, dear ones. So, as you know, I do a little quiz for these boys every week. I ask them two questions. If they get the question right, they get a point. If they get a question wrong, I get the point. Paul is running away with it, as he has been since the start of the year with 14. Me and Adam are tied on seven, so we're halfway there. These could be quite tricky for both of you so I'm hoping to make gains here but at the mm-hmm. same time depending on how observant you are and well there we go are you ready for your question boys go for it mm, yes I don't I don't think you're going to get it I need both I need both parts of this question in order for you to get one point what are the names of the two warring clans in Okinawa <laughs> oh god <laughs> yeah you're fucked the Japanese and the Japanese uh, is one beginning with an O? No, the place begins with an O. Okinawa. Oh, oh. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking, though. You've got that. Oh. oh no, 
I have no idea. You want to take a stab? You get one random guess. You got to do it without being I would, racist. It would though. just be the most random word <laughs> I could think of. <laughs> Is it one Takeshi, one Kitano? Uh, no. What do you say, Adam? One Kasugo, is it? That's the name that kept coming up. That is a name of a character, but that's no, that's yeah, not. Yeah, I have no idea. Okay, the two clans were the Nakamatsu clan and the Anan clan. Oh, Anan. Nakamatsu. I should have got that one. Ananan. There we go. Yeah. So, one point for me. Thank you. Well done. Now, this one. Well, you have to go a little bit further than the film to get the answer to this question. What was Takeshi Kitano's debut American film acting performance? Ooh, that's a the good question. The only thing I can think he I saw on his thing was is it Ghost in the Shell? Uh, a very good answer, Adam. It's true, but it's one of his more recent films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm looking for his first. Is it is it, is it well known? I, at, at the time, it's less. People don't really talk about it, but it, it, it was big at the time. Not, I don't necessarily think oh. it was massive, but it's as big as some so called big film. I'm just going to say Black Rain. I don't know. Uh, Johnny Mnemonic with Keanu Reeves. Oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't Johnny seen it. Johnny Mnemonic. Is that Japanese I based? Seen it either. No, it's not. It's, it's American, but he plays a, a character in it, and he has like. It was funded with Japanese money, mm. and when the when the the funders of the film um, arranged for Kitana to be in the film, they specifically requested that the filmmakers film about twenty additional minutes worth of footage with Kitano in it, mm. just so they could show that to the Japanese audience. So, what if we watch it? He's in it for like five minutes I, I believe five or okay. ten minutes but if you watch the Japan cut he's in it for like half an hour I know I know they do that a lot just to sell tickets and yeah. it's a big market big market well that was great I got both points see That's I what to make he's, he's angry that we beat him at everything at your stud depot oh shit I, I, I'm I, not saying anything of the like the thing, the thing is right because uh, right listeners first and foremost I'm the heaviest out of three of us Okay. Yeah, that's your choice. If we were that- playing Mario Kart, I would be Yoshi, he would be Bowser. Okay. <laughs> so I don't get the reference because I don't know who those people are. You don't know who Bowser is? You he's the, big, Mario he's the Kart. big dragon with a... Yes. 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 Okay. Big, big, so big, big dragon. Automatically, <laughs> when you're the heaviest, you're gonna, you have the slowest car, right? Yeah, like Bowser. There we go. <laughs> that's the spec, that's it. <laughs> So there you go. That's what I'm saying. I agree. I totally agree. I absolutely agree. That is how it rolls. Yeah. And, and even even despite that, I, I was in front of Paul and he had to T-bone me in order to get in front. Oh, he and T-boned I was very, everybody. very disappointed with the marshals that they did not black flag him and take him off. He should have been done. Because it was accidental. It oh, wasn't it was on nothing purpose. accidental about anything. But do you want to know the worst thing about Paul T-boning me, listeners? It's that when he did that... Not only did he get himself passed, it allowed Adam to pass me. Also. Oh, no. That's even worse. That is <laughs> and worse. then also, Ben was trying to keep up with me and Paul, who was zooming away from him, and he got a bit too, he got a bit too overexcited and he spun out into a corner. I keep up with you. And, and whenever you say to Adam, yeah, and I overtook you, he was like, yeah, but that was only at that bit. It's like, well, it has to be at some bit. <laughs> yeah, under yellow flag circumstances. You never took us when, mate, in a legitimate When did I overtake you under yellow flag circumstances? That's bullshit. <laughs> 
The only that's time just, he actually overtook me was in the first line. race when we all went off the grid. No, and it wasn't the first race. It right was the second time. It was the second time. I didn't overtake you in the first first set of, of races. No, so I mean, the second race at the very beginning when we did the racing from the grid and the person in front of me crashed out. No, it was when we were coming out from under that tunnel. It was you then. never did. Oh, mate. None of these listeners have ever any concept of what no, you're talking None of about. them care about this. <laughs> All you need to know, listeners, is that I got two points today and these boys didn't. Yes. And I respect all of your efforts. I've got to say, this was the hardest film to, to come up with questions for. I yeah, was I thinking imagine. when I was watching this, I was just like, I'm getting no points this week. I, I did think that as well. I was really trying to think, like, one of the questions was going to be, what was the colour of the Frisbee? And I was like, this is, that's just shit. Orange. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. No, it wasn't. It was red. So there you go. Oh, Should've yeah. He's, he's also colour blind, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're colour blind. So I'd have got fair. a point there for you bullying me. There you go. Anyway, should we, should we talk about Sonatine, please? Yes, let's, let's move on to Sonatine. Let's talk about the film. Hi, I'm Quentin Tarantino, and welcome to the new Rolling Thunder video release. Uh, the film you're about to see is Beat Takashi's Sonatine, which he directed, wrote, produced, edited, and is the star of. Uh, and we were really proud to release it here in America. Actually, the film that you're about to see has um, played all over the world and has, has gotten quite a few, uh, quite quite a bit of acclaim in all the different festivals it played and everything. And, and the film has actually quite has made uh, Beat Takashi one of the you know. Uh, most exciting directors uh, to come out of Japan in the last decade. And I think when you see the movie, you'll understand why. It's, it's a slightly different take on uh, the standard Yakuza film. Uh, I'm going to be here after the film is over to kind of uh, talk about, uh, you know, what Yakuza films are and uh, what his are in particular, and just talk a little bit more about the man and, you know, just kick it. Anyway, uh, in the meantime, enjoy Sonatine, and I'll see you after the movie. Okay, bye-bye. Right, everyone, today we are doing Sonatine, 1993 Sonatine by Takeshi Kitano. This is a spoiler episode. If you haven't seen it, you might want to go watch it first because we're going to go straight into spoilers. No hanging around. Excellent. That's it. Adam, do you want to go straight into a plot summary? Because I have no people who have been in the film we've done before. Yes. Um, so this film is about a guy who is in the Yakuza. And he gets sent away to go fight a rival gang or sort out a, um, what do you want to call it? An argument between these people. And when he's out there, him and a couple of his friends, they decide to go off and chill on the beach and have a little holiday. And it's now the Yakuza on a stag do. <laughs> oh, is it, this is probably the perfect episode to do. <laughs> Yes. It's the stag do of Yakuza films. They're just out chilling and vibing on a beach and having fun. And he's like, do I like this life more than being in the Yakuza? <sighs> there you go. There we go. Ben? Here we go. I got some information. Okay. But I haven't really put it in a very comprehensive way. So I'll just try and talk through it. So um, I only realized after watching it that this is technically the third in a kind of unofficial Takeshi Kitano trilogy so <clears throat> Takeshi Kitano was actually originally known as Beat Takano he was like a comedian in Japan and he uh, decided he wanted to get into films and the first time that he acted in a film I can't remember what it was he was in uh, the room with the test audience and as soon as he came up on screen everyone in the audience started laughing because they were conditioned to see him as a funny guy and as he was watching the film with them he became really annoyed because they were just laughing 
all the way through whenever he was popping mm-hmm. up. So he decided he was going to completely change his public image. So he changed from Beat Takashi and became Takashi Katana. Takashi Katana was his name as a actor. And he made a trilogy of films starting with Violent Cop through Boiling Point and finishing with Sonatine. And they're all kind of thematically linked. They're not a story. They're not a, like a narrative that goes through, but they kind of have the same themes of like this brutal brutal violence very stoic imagery all the way through um and just very alternative visions of japan um and he kind of blended all of this so first two films first one violent cop wasn't received very well in japan at all although critically it did it did quite well but it didn't make much money uh boiling point brought a lot more success more eyes were on him financially it did very well and then came sonatine which katana directed wrote produced edited and was the star of and sonatine was kind of described as the the film that shook up what the yakuza film was because the yakuza film we don't know much about them in the west some people do but we're not typically conditioned to see these yakuza films but in japan they were huge in the 50s and 60s particularly in the 50s and 60s because the yakuza would actually pay people to go and see the film as well they would like really drum up support for people to go and see their films because the yakuza films were funded by the yakuza Mm. but then in the early 70s things kind of changed because women in japanese culture actually dictated what was in cinema because they were the ones who wanted to go to the cinema more than more than men and they were taking their husbands and boyfriends and whatnot to the cinema so the films became a little bit more conditioned to sentimental romantic films etc things like that but when so these yakuza films all had like romance in it and uh sentimental things and characters that you could love and things like that but then beat Takeshi, Takeshi Katana came along and changed the game completely because there'd been no harshness, no violence, none of that. And he just created this new wave of Yakuza films um, when he came along with the Violent Cop one through to Sonatine. And um, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that I can say about it, but I might just actually include it for when we're talking about the fucking film. Mm. So I'll leave it there for now. Cool. Well, this is your pick, Ben. So... You get to choose whose first impressions you want in what order. I think I'm going to go Adam, me, you. Okay. okay. Go on then. Um, so, I didn't really know what to expect about this film. I didn't know much about it. Uh, the only person I know who'd seen it was my housemate Dan, and he just said it was quite slow pace. So, I was prepared for that i knew it was kind of the vibe of the film and it was but it was also i found it incredibly quite interesting and quite it was quite gripping as well at the same time um you really came to kind of like these characters actually which i was quite surprised about for a film of this nature when so then you kind of it raises the stakes of them as well and you want them to do well and you want someone, you want nice things to happen for because it is just like it's almost like a buddy film rather than a, a Japanese yakuza film. I very much enjoyed all of that part of it, um, but I'm still quite unsure about exactly what I think about it. Like I very much enjoyed it and I had a great time watching it, but at the same time I was like, 
was at it, like, I only watched it yesterday, and I've already kind of forgotten kind of what's happened in it. Like, I can remember bits of it, but I don't, it feels like I've watched it longer than yesterday, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, but yeah, this, I, I enjoyed the relationships that the characters build up between each other. Uh, I preferred that side of the story than when that kind of came in rather than the beginning side. I was like, this just kind of feels like a standard film. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how else to really sum up my opinions. There's something maybe we start talking about it and we go that way. But yeah. Yes, I agree. It's it's an easier one to talk actually talk about when we talk about together because it is a hard one to actually um, summarize neatly and nicely and talk about how you, yeah. how you feel about it. When I watched it um, the first time, like I say, I got to the end and I was... Yeah, it was hard to properly capture my feelings about it. And that's when I found out it was this third in this trilogy. So I was like, let me just kind of get a feel for this man, that this these Takeshi Kitano films, so that I can get more on his pace, and then I will watch it again. So I watched it first, and then I watched it again at, at the end. And to be honest, I didn't feel that the other films helped me understand it more the, the on the on the second watch, but I, I I was a little bit more in tune with, okay, this guy's style of filming, which is the consistency across them all is just very minimalist, long, long takes, static shots, like lack of emotion on faces and stoicism, 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 stoicism. That's what comes up constantly with his characters, particularly just this lack of a reaction to the setting. But in the context of the other two films, this one I appreciated the most because there is something about his character reacting or rather not reacting in all these violent situations that speak about what the film's actually about for me. Because for me, this film is about a man who is so not even jaded. He is bored with the Yakuza life, but he's he's become so um, disconnected from the violent life that he lives that mm. when he's surrounded by it, he he just operates on autopilot. It does. It's not shocking to him. It's, it isn't a thing. Mm. It's just a part of his life. So when they go from... Uh, where they are at the beginning when they go to intervene in this sort of gang warfare and they end up going to the beach when he gets to the beach for me it's like this is him going back to a pure time when he was a child like Mm -hmm. it's almost like this is this is the freedom that he actually wants but because he's so ingrained in the violence of the yakuza life all the playful shit that he's doing with these guys he's mixing it with violent things like when he gets the gun out for Russian roulette when he's firing the gun with the uh, fireworks everything every bit of play has to have a bit of violence for him and it goes to show how this is just in his life no matter what and at the end when he blows his his brains out I was surprised but then at the same time I was like oh I'm not because this guy was fucking sad like this yeah complete disconnection from everything shows that he was not in that life he knows he can't be happy he can't find that peace really he can't be happy. Even the woman that he meets, he knows he can't run off with her into the sunset. He knows that like, he's lived in this life. He's di- he lives by the gun. He dies by the gun. Um, and I just thought it was very poetically beautiful. Just the way that yeah. things were shot, the way scenes played out. There was a real, there was a, there was a weird humour to no, it as yeah, well. It was almost like a, like I said, maybe like a buddy kind of film. Yeah. Like, yeah, some lads on holiday on just watching them muck around without any real purpose to 
every scene that's happening, but there's so much going on at the same time. Adam's turned this bit into the conversation bit. <laughs> I'm just not saying anything. Anyway, I, I'll say no more. Yeah. Yeah, we, we'll talk about it afterwards. Go on, Paul. Um, uh, I've got to go the opposite way. This movie just wasn't for me. I, oh. I literally like, had no concept half the time of any significance of what was happening or even if there was supposed to be any significance. And I, I can only describe it as, as a, a gangster movie of what happens when the action isn't happening. And on a stag do is probably... <laughs> quite a good summary Adam and um, I thought it was a little tedious at times sometimes fe- it feeling like quite badly acted and probably saying what you're saying uh, Ben about um, his his face being like quite um, unemotional through those scenes kind of makes sense like what you're saying I never thought about so it kind of makes sense but it doesn't make me like it any more than I did and um like especially when the people are like get to stand there waiting to be shot with no expression or fear or anger i don't think it i feel like it was just him i feel like other people when when people getting shot they were just waiting to be shot kind of thing and it's just like is mm. this talking about the bit by the boat mainly like when just when people get not, not about the, the bit just before the boat do you know where they're they're chatting to the old man and then suddenly they all just got shot by that yeah, man who, they got who, f- shot by the fish yeah, yeah. They, it's like they were just standing there waiting to be shot, and I was like, "What? What is this? Are they? Why are they shooting the list? Why are they acting like this?" But um, it felt like I think it felt badly edited in place as well. There's so many awkward jump cuts for me, and I can say the tone the tone's very unique, but it's so much so that I couldn't really grasp whether it was supposed to be a comedy or not, because the, like the Japanese way is like so deadpan and unemotive that it's just it's, I, t- I didn't know how to really like take it, but. Um, as a package, I didn't. I didn't really enjoy my time, to oh be honest. Dear. But I do. I do respect what it's going for, and it does have like a serious air of originality about it. But I'm. I'm in no way seeking out any other Katano films if they're anything like this. Wow. See, I don't think I will bother maybe watching the rest of them, but at the same time, I feel like what you didn't like about it was kind of what made it intriguing. I. I, I can get it. I. From what I saying, get, where you came from, it's like. A food that if people don't like, you're like, okay, I understand why you don't like that food, mm. but I like it. Mm. I can, yeah, I can understand why you would like it, but I, for me, it, it just feels a bit <sighs> ponderous. I mean, the thing, that, boring. the thing is, it's very culturally different to anything that we typically watch or cover on this podcast for sure. Like, we're, it's coming, we're, we're, we're absorbing a bit of Japanese cinema from the very early 90s which mm. is you know a different time uh different style and about you could like i don't i certainly haven't watched a lot of films about a yakuza so it, it's our point of reference coming into this film anyway is already very distanced from all yeah. of it right so yeah. i do i i take your point and i do think that if we perhaps you know people in japan who had seen many decades of yakuza films and like personifications of the yakuza probably respond to it differently than absolutely us as a western audience because they're like okay we never really see this side because yeah we see some violence but really the thing that's that grips me about the film the thing that i i find endearing about the film it's very hard to put my finger on but it's kind of how i feel after it because Mm. i actually i enjoy the film more after when i'm thinking about it than i do actually when i'm sitting through it because i'm like that is funny that that happened or that was kind of cool, the way that that was shot. And that makes sense in that thing. But when I'm watching it, it's like, yeah, we're just seeing these boys on boys on holiday. But 
that's the funny thing. It's like, this is the Yakuza, this deadly, violent, terrifying gang in Hawaiian shirts on a fucking beach. Mm. Just being just being forced to waste waste time. The cute bit, that's what I don't understand, that it's like not funny. It's might, it might be funny. It might be funny in a way like when you're thinking about it. charm about it rather than a... F- you wouldn't laugh out loud. You just kind of... Yeah, I don't know. think... I don't, I don't necessarily think it was meant to be funny, laugh out loud, funny. It, it was more like I... When I was watching it, I didn't laugh at anything. But mm. looking back now, I'm thinking that's that's funny. You know, you know had a weird feel about it. It kind of reminded me a little bit of that hard ticket to Hawaii. But I knew someone was going to say that, and that's just because there was a beach scene with a frisbee. Adam. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just talking about these like criminal hard gangs doing stuff that's just like so mundane to them. But well, done that's, in a really yeah, well, that's, nice. That's world. what I liked. I liked that it was. Let's take the, the Yakuza, these scary fuckers, and make them waste their time for the movie. I can't. That but was, I also don't think they're wasting time. Concept. They're having more fun and they're being more free than they ever were. But it's not a lifestyle that you escape from. Well, yes, and like that's, you said that's... as well, Ben, it was quite nice the whole the whole can he escape the violence? Everything, like everything they were doing involved violence. Like yeah. they were firing fireworks at each other. They were trying to shoot a frisbee. Yes, shoot sure, exactly. Like, Every they single bit get of fun. violence out of their minds. It's like. It's so like ingrained the in their the life. Where they were playing cricket with a frisbee and a bit of wood. I was like, that's quite funny. That was yeah. quite funny. It, and even even the holes on the beach was kind of like, it was reminiscent of dunking that fucking guy in the water. Like that, right? So that scene where they got a guy on a crane and they dunk him into the water. Yeah. Very long played out scene, which is a horrible thing, but it's... I'm not sat there chuckling, but I'm aware of the absurdity of the situation, and I'm like, this is humorous. Mm. Like you know, there's certain mm. there's certain um, films that have a funny bone in them that aren't aren't there to make you laugh out loud. Yeah. It's it's just you think on it and you go, yeah, that's funny. That I think I think a very key word that um, when we read the plot from last episode, they said when he realises that the whole feud is insignificant. Yes. Right. And the reason I couldn't get on board with this film was I was constantly thinking, okay, what is the significance of the, them doing this in the moment? What's the significance of that? And it, nothing ever, like, us. it was like, it was just random things happening. And, like, the whole bit with the holes, even to that, when I was at that point, I was like, so why are they, why are they making holes that people are going to fall into now? Like, <laughs> what is the significance of that? Because it felt like they were waiting for someone to come and they were going to let someone fall down a hole and then they just never went back to it again. And I was like, what is that? No, but that was it. They, they were just playing. I know, they were and playing. It. Yeah. It just felt I, insignificant. Everything just felt insignificant for me. Well, it was, less, it was less a film about a plot, a narrative plot with this will lead to this will lead to this. And it was more about, it was a film like made up of moments, right? Mm. For you to afterwards look back yeah. on, I think that's what I, I I do think it's when you, you've watched it, you look back on it, and then it's like now I know what I feel about it. But when you're watching it, you've got no idea. I can kind of get that, yeah. From from you, um, just kind of getting your what your what your opinion on it is, it kind of makes sense from what you're saying. But it didn't. It's not in any way. If I went back and watched this now, I wouldn't be like, wow, I'm enjoying this so much more now. Did you think that he was a did you like? Do you find him interesting to watch in this film? Uh, it, I, I'd say he's interesting. Yeah, he's see that—that's the thing. Is like he was so interesting to watch, despite the fact that, largely speaking, 
he revealed no emotion. Mm. And that's that's, a, that's skill. I think that's a very that's a very hard thing because uh, what I get from the Japanese culture is that is all it is all very deadpan and like unemotive and like don't it's, that's the culture to be kind of serious. Well, it, and that yeah. is especially with the yakuza. And when I, when I came into the film, like that whole first fifteen twenty minutes, I, I I didn't really understand what was happening. Anyway. So it didn't help. So when mm. I was so when I was getting on board, I was like, okay, so what is the plot here? And it yeah. and even then, it felt like there was just these insignificant things were happening that I didn't understand. Like when that boy came in the office at the beginning, and he was like, "Why are you here? You should have been going away." And I was like, "Where did that? What what is he talking about? And mm. when did we ever see that guy ever again?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, 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 I the don't care about that kind of. I don't think that stuff affected. But I mean, th- there's everything. Everything just felt insignificant. And then he has a fight with a guy in the bathroom, and it's like, oh, this, this doesn't really matter. And then this guy gets stabbed, and it's like oh, they're just sitting next to each other on the bus now. I know, but the, so yeah, but like, the, okay, so the, well, then that's the thing. You either like that or you don't. I really liked that because mm. it goes from the guy going fuck these kids, getting stabbed in the gut, juxtaposition a few minutes later, he's sitting next to him on a van, and the guy's going, "Do you want ice cream?" That's that is. That's humorous. I like that. I like the violence and the playful mm. and the childishness going side by side. Yeah, it's, it's think, like you know. I think it, it. I think it's the fact that it didn't. It maybe if it leaned a little more into the comedy side of it, I could have got it a bit more. But it just. I don't know. It was. It was just on the edge, wasn't it? It was like that fine line of being. Yes, comedic. it was. But then you know that probably comes from him as as, as he was like I didn't even realise that. Did you ever watch Takeshi's Castle? Yeah, yeah. He was the host. He was the oh, guy. Really? Yes, <laughs> he's Takeshi. Hence Takeshi. Oh, yeah. amazing! Oh, wow. And he was like a proper comedian, comedian over there, and that he just wanted to change that. But obviously, he's got that funny bone, right? So mm. it's going to be at play a little bit in what he does. Yeah, and of I do like the uncomfortable way it sits alongside a lot of a lot of these elements like let me say the thing that i found so endearing and funny and beautiful is these yakuza men in the beach hut at night replicating the dance of the women all right and the, yeah, and yeah. the boss getting angry going no no you have to smile i will join you let me show you how it's done and then that <laughs> that is funny I'm thinking about it now. That's funny, man. <laughs> and they do it several times as well. <laughs> First, it's the boss doing it, and then there's underlings doing it as well. And he's like, you have to show teeth. You have to smile. <laughs> They're doing it again. This is the Yakuza. This is funny shit. Just in I, a I, different I, I way. I know what you mean, yeah. I do, do you know what I felt bit was really weird, though? I didn't know if it was funny or just ridiculously stupid. He's on the beach when they were wrestling. Now, so I, I loved that. That was like, what the hell is going on here? But it's so intriguing, so stupid, but so brilliant all at the same time. I like the bit where they're replicating the game. When they're jumping yes, and they're it. bouncing around, yeah. 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 Very yeah. well edited as well, because they're not actually jumping. Like, he's cutting out frames, so you never really see their feet making them bounce. Mm. So it constantly looks like they are those those characters. But see, so I was thinking, about, I was trying to piece things together and going like, oh, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? All those beach scenes everything is just a bit of play but tinged with violence like kind of to say like if this beach if this speech is almost like a a respite for him so like okay the film begins he's a yakuza he's in the city he wants to get out he says he wants to retire he's had it so 
the boss sends him to this place to an insignificant feud he, things don't work out so they get sort of sent to the beach the beach is like okay here's your blank canvas here's where you can start again and by the way sorry i should have said this i didn't know what sonatine meant so i googled it and sonatine is a technical term in music where after all the instruments have played what they have to play a sonatine is where it's free for interpretation so you can suddenly choose solo which direction mm. you want to go yeah so the beach is kind of that place where he can like now's your time you want to get out here you are you're at this beach explore find what you want to do and go do it so the fact that all this play comes back like this is when he starts smiling again he's smiling he's happy because he's free he feels stripped from it but he, the violence the way of life is so ingrained in him he can't really get away from it he can't he his spirit is lifted he feels a little freer but it's ingrained in who he is and mm. he hates that hence why he kills himself at the end because it's too much i like that it, we don't get this scene of him talking to that woman for example and, and saying I, I just need to get out this is too much for me we get a couple of comments like when she's saying to him oh you know how to handle a gun and he's like i'm terrified of it like the the only reason i'm good with a gun is because i don't want to die I don't mm. want them to kill me. He says, mm. I'm, not, I'm not hard because I have to carry it around. I wouldn't be strong if I didn't. Yeah, that's it. That's right. Yeah. And, and, and just him, his suicide, like, is re- very sad when you look back at it after everything that he's gone through because it he's is like... He's staring there looking at her. It's the only time we see some emotion on his face that isn't a, a, a smile when, when he's playing is after he's done that brilliantly shot shootout at the hotel by the way I really liked the way that was shot with all the flickering it reminded me a bit of like Fargo Fargo yeah Mm. was when he's sitting in that car and it's like man you're on your way back to her and you can see it it's like he knows it's like I can't have that life a Hollywood film would have you have that ending perhaps a a typical not the kind of Hollywood films that we like it would have him going back to her and uh, he's pulled over and he's like I can't. I've just done this horrifically brutal thing. He knows he can never really escape that. Yeah. That is that whole thing of like, he goes, if I want this life, I have to have it in like death. Yeah. Right. He had, he had to go. He lives by the gun. He, he, he dies by the gun. It's very, I, th- I thought it was very beautiful. When I finished this film, I was like, I don't really understand what I was trying to say. And it totally, you absolutely are nailing it nailing it right because it totally makes sense with what he's trying to say but i i just really feel if i watch i could never watch it again i don't think the film is interesting enough to want to revisit it again mm. maybe in a couple of years i would but i'm not going to rush around to watch it again what he's trying to say is better than actually watching it i think i can i can see that i could i could see that yeah, that someone might have that take for sure. I'm that yeah, if, if you don't enjoy, yeah, no, but that's okay. Um, I did like. The, here's the funny thing: is that I did really want to. I was really looking forward to watching it again after mm. having watched Boiling Point and, and Thingy and, and Violent Cop because I wanted to see what the um, if you take more from it. Yeah, because it it, it felt still mysterious. It because it it is. It feel it's an odd, it's a strange film. You don't just, you can't just watch it and go, "Well, I've, I know what that's about," and that's it. You, it like invites you to back. 
I, I feel it. I, it's even now I can feel it calling to me to like revisit it mm. and, and see how you feel about this. You know, there's something to the, like the, the tapestry of it in all of these scenes. It's like, you will get something else from this. Like the scene of them in the holes. So the first time I watched it, I thought, Oh, it's just playful boys being boys is like regressed to childhood. The second time I watched it, knowing everything that comes, it comes in the film. I was like, do these holes represent, even though they're it's kind of played for laughs and they're laughing about it. Do these holes represent the fact that it's a trap for all of them. They're walking along, going about their life and then, down they go just like they're all going to get gunned down eventually by the yakuza because of the life that they live in they fall into the trap they fall into the trap and her at the end when we see her at the end on the beach walking along and she falls into a trap it's like this is what's going to happen to to her if he is still with if he goes with her if he wants to escape with her because he will not escape that old life Mm. he's made these holes for these people they're all going to fall into them people are doomed if they're around him and um one other thing to say that i I thought about when i was watching this and i thought hmm i wonder how paul will uh what paul will think about this is the way that people reacted to things in this like standing by just watching etc reminded me of your goslanthemos but Mm. in this handled in a way that i could appreciate because i got the point as to why they were that way because it's meant to be saying they're so cold and distant from these situations because they're involved in this life Mm. yeah i can kind of get that but um to me it just came across as badly acted rather than that awkward kind of acting poor takeshi man Mm. poor takeshi like it, it felt to me like it was people waiting for their cue to be shot Oh, I see what you say. But so, but I thought, I, for me, that was just, that was stylization. Mm. That wasn't them actually just standing there waiting for the guns to go off. For me, that yeah, was like clear, clear, s- yeah. stylized now. Clearly, but for me, it just kept, uh, I don't like that. <laughs> it well, it doesn't come across well for me. Mm, well, I, I liked it. And like, you know, when, they, when the fishermen shot the guy on the beach and they're both sitting there by the boat, I liked that on several levels because, A, I liked that it kind of implied that the fishermen didn't know they were there and they were just being completely still. Yeah. So they didn't kill them. But I also liked that it went from them smiling and laughing and having fun to, well, particularly him, sat there resigned to, inevitably, this is what my life is. See, to me, I just look look at the woman and be like, why are you not reacting? Because someone's just been shot in front of you. I know, but if she had been screaming and all of that, that wouldn't have helped the scene. Would I know, it? of course, but I mean, like to me, she would have been a little bit scared at least. Well, I think it was more, you know, in the visual interpretation of it rather than a literal interpretation. Yeah, mm. yeah, I know. I think that's what the, uh, didn't do it for me. Yes, I get that. Yeah, tell me a story, man. Tell me, tell me a story. <laughs> That's, I, I don't want insignificance. I want uh, I want you to tell me the story. <laughs> but see, the funny thing is, there is a there, there is a story, a story there, but right? The story is after you've watched it. Mm. Well, but, well, you're finding out things as the film goes on, rather than like I guess another way of telling this story would have been while they were at the beach. You cut back to Tokyo, well, not Tokyo, wherever that is, the opening place, and the boss man is telling 90s guy with the tie 
right, we need to send the assassins down there now. We need to wipe them out. We've struck a deal with the Anans. So you find out ahead of time. So then you've got that ticking clock going on while the rest of them are at the beach. So you're like, oh shit, this is their Mm. plan. But rather they went the route of you're just going to find stuff out. And I kind of liked it. I like that. That's what I liked was that it was meandering. It was like these Yakuza. It's because they're Yakuza. If they, if they were just normal people, then I'd be like, why do I give a shit? But it's like, because they're these Yakuza who are typically meant to be in these violent interactions and settings and encounters. The fact that they're forced to twiddle their thumbs, essentially for the majority of the movie and come up with their own entertainment was, uh, it was very interesting. Yeah. I like. I, I found it to be very endearing. More caliente. Well, I'm sorry that it didn't uh, provoke more of a thing from you both. I enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed it. I know it's a film I probably wouldn't have watched anyway. No, I, I certainly wouldn't have. And and, uh, I enjoyed its charm and its and its different take on life. It's. Do you uh, have anything to say about that uh, wonderful music? The score, the sonatine oh, theme. Oh, the score was good. Yeah, I like the score. Very it, much like that. It sounded very familiar. It's, yeah, it did. I was about to did say they? that. It did. Oh, what was it? I don't know if it's a sample. Someone sampled it or something like that. I it's need funny. to hear it. I need to it's hear funny it right you should now. say that because in Violent Cop, there is a recurring theme in that. And I was like, what fucking film do I know this from? And I could not place it. I still can't. It's like he's re- reused a different theme and put his own style on it. Um, Let me just hear this right now. It reminds me of it reminds me of Exorcist. The tubular bells. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of it's got it's got a, it's it's a hint of scary, a hint of eighties, hint of nostalgia. It feels very sad. Like the whole Sonatine experience for me is kind of like melancholy. It feels like it feels like an emotion. The film yeah. is an emotion, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely, yeah. And I, I I liked that we were seeing that just these jarring things. We were seeing violent violent acts and then we were seeing these silly things contrasted with them mm. paul is paul is very unimpressed with this one i can tell you're giving it no grace the only time thing with this film is if it doesn't do anything for you there's mm. not really loads to talk about in the first place i don't think I, it is the is the slightly it's not a surreal film actually but is it is kind slightly surreal slightly is the surreal nature of it the off-putting aspect? Like, uh, if it was all more logical well, I, yeah, as I to why things were happening. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily... I wouldn't call it surreal. I would. I don't think I'd call it surreal. It is just watching, like... Or just looking at, like, a piece of a piece of artwork where it's just trying to express, as you say, an emotion. And it is just that... Po- like, the polarising opposites between... Uh, playing frisbee on a beach and being a stone cold killer yakuza, yeah, and that is just that. It's just that whole film is just like projecting that kind of contrast, yeah. Which either either works or it doesn't, I suppose. Yeah, I think. Yeah, it, it's not. It's not really. I wouldn't say it's surreal. It's just like it's just like watching the deleted scenes from a film. Hmm. For me. Where it's, it's just loads of things just sh- stuck together, and you're kind of getting what the story's what it's doing, but you can't really get the full grasp of it. Yes. Well, I, yes, I, I suppose so. But that's me, man. Yeah. 
but you know and i can't remember what films we've said it before we said it about something before where it was like if the film doesn't do enough to make you want to like, yeah tenet if if you don't care enough about the film in the first instance then there's nothing that's going to make you want to try and work out how this fits or what that means and why yeah mm. what it's saying this the same thing with this like i talked to i t- so for example this i take to this over tenet so this is a far superior film than tenet i mean yeah they're completely different but... completely different but this is a film that i want to return to i want to understand i want to i want to soak in soak in the atmosphere of it a little bit to, to get a feel for it and you know obviously there's many films that you know there's great films that aren't that way and that's fine but sometimes i want to have a little of this you know um mm. copland is the antithesis of this but that's an incredible film and everything is all spelled out and you understand what all of it is whereas yeah. this is less so and it's more about how do you resonate with it what does it mean to you a bit a bit like like art i guess but not in a wanky pretentious way like i want to break down the barriers that that is what these sorts of films can be i don't mean it in a pretentious way i just mean you no, know anyone no, no. can just fucking i the, if we're, if we're going to compare it to uh like films we've done for, that's uh positive in my direction would be like melancholia or persona oh yeah 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 where, where they they are very like they're conveying a little bit surreal they're yes. conveying like uh, an emotion pretty much and it's just whether you want to read into that or not a melancholy on a team double it. bill would be very good yeah mm. be a long day but yeah <laughs> did, your, did your rating of it change after watching nope. the others no did it change i was interested as to whether it would but it did not if you did think it was going to change did you think which way did you reckon it was going to go up i never thought it would go down okay so that's a little spoiler as to what it might be i kind of guess what where it is yeah, I'm sure you have. Um, yeah. But uh, all this to say, it has an, an incredible amount of interesting scenes and scenarios and juxtapositions in yeah. there. But if you want to come to it for story, you're probably going to be a little disappointed. I think I will remember parts of this film rather than the whole film. And you also might think mm. they're different They're different films in some ways. Yeah. You can always think, oh, that was that film. They were both that film. I, see the thing that's uh, th- yeah the thing that's interesting is how like do you think you're meant to like him mm. or I think did you're meant you to like take him? to him take to him a little I bit I think you're meant to warm to him but I don't think you're meant to like him yeah I mean you meant he, li- I kind of liked his gang a bit more yeah the, like the I kind of felt like a bit like they I kind of took to them a bit more well, they were less crazy than him because they weren't actually. Well, mm. even though he wasn't playing Russian roulette with real bullets, but I think I think it's more from the off. You're not supposed to really gel with him, but as the film goes on, you see he's like kind of given into his warmer side. But that warmer side is still like tinged with a like hint of violence in everything he does. So like the yeah. he wants to he wants to play with them on the beach, but he's playing Russian roulette. Yeah, and they they instantly think oh. That's a bit weird, but he's just trying to like mm. live a normal life kind of thing. That's that. Even before he gets to them, I'm like, these people are fucking lunatics, man. Shooting a can off someone's head. I know, uh, yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> Never. I'd be just like, careful. My ear, he said. I know. 
Um, the scene that I that I thought was interesting is when she, when that guy is about to rape her on the beach at night, and Murakara is just watching at first, and then he just is casually walking by, almost like he isn't even going to intervene. He only intervenes or responds when that guy challenges him. Then he kills him. But it's almost like he was about to walk past that, which yeah. made made me think. A, it's not about whether we like him or not. It's just going to show that this guy, he ha- he's not moral. He's not going to, st- he's not like, oh yeah, there's a rape happening. I'm going to stop it. He's just like, yep, violence and terrible shit exists. This is the world I live in. Oh, but now this guy's coming in my face. I'll have to kill him. Mm. So he did mm. it because the guy came in his face, not because he wanted to be any sort of savior in that situation. Yeah. yeah. And then blame the woman. Said that yeah. she killed him. Yeah. I, yeah, so like, why did he do that? Yeah, he had no reason to. See, that's interesting. Why did he say it was the woman? And also, these are the things that I think would reward repeat viewing. You know when he's driving in the car with her, and she's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is my husband's, this was my husband's car. He crashes the car. And then they go back to the house and get the other car to pick the car up. It's all, it's all, bit, it's all very strange. <laughs> Yeah, it's all very strange, but in a very intriguing way. I, 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 would oh, say. I don't know. It doesn't intrigue me. I don't. Oh, I don't care shame. to like want to like try and unpick the threads. That's I okay. mean, there's a lot in this film that you've just got to accept that doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I know, personally. but but we know that there is something. So Takeshi Kitano, if he was here on this podcast right now, do you think he would go? It doesn't. It doesn't really make sense. So just don't think about it. He would have had a reason. I can't believe he turned up on set and was like, right, so I'm just going to, in this scene, we're going to talk and I'm going to crash the car and then we'll just go back and get another car to come and drop us back off at this car so we can drive off in it again. It just sounds so insignificant, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like, why? This is like, the, this is like the fucking deleted scene. It's like, you don't need that in the film. <laughs> I know, but, but I, yeah, but I know. It adds to the rich tapestry of it. Again, me. I feel like, I like if it. you don't warm with it, everything it does is going to be a little more irritating. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Did you, when they arrived in uh, Okinawa and they get in that little van and, the, and that guy's like, yeah, welcome. Uh, we've got some drinks and some ice creams here if you'd like. What, what did you think when that line was said? No, so this is just weird. Like, why are these Yakuza's getting on a bus, number one? Well, yeah, ex- exactly. But that's, but, but that's why they're not like, getting in, like, their own cars, like, nice cars. I know, but that's what that was like. Well, this is great. This is absurd. These fucking Yakuza have come to find one of these clans and they're being bundled into the back of a, essentially a minivan and they're like, yeah, we've got drinks and ice cream for you. Yeah. That's mm. fucking funny. That's that tinge <laughs> oh, of dear. the polar opposites of normal life with Yakuza life. Yes. It's all right. It's all right. I, I know. I can understand why you like it. And I liked it when the, when the the leader of that gang was dancing around doing the the women's dance as well. The first night on the beach and with the clappers, uh, with the clappers, and Murakawa is just sitting there and he's like just not even looking. Everyone else is sort of like smiling and enjoying it, and Murakawa is just staring down at the floor, looking in a complete other direction. I think I think half of it is as well coming to it thinking, okay, I'm about to watch. Uh, a 90s Yakuza film right yes probably highly violent which it is at times yeah but they, I, I've i only seen this now afterwards but people said it's the Yakuza Goodfellas 
It's mm. like, this is not. Who are you saying this no. is the Goodfellas? Who is saying this is the Goodfellas? It's more of a, like a Carlito's way in a way that you're seeing the other side of it rather than the violent side of it. Mm. Bad, yeah. bad, bad uh, publicity, that is. If you I mean, thought this is the Goodfellas, I'd be, if Ben said we're going to watch the, the Accused of Goodfellas and we watch this, I'd be a bit more... Mm. Well, yeah, I ha- I'm not. I'm not. I wasn't going in expect like expect. I I didn't know what it was going to yeah, be yeah. at all. So, but I'm just saying. I Sorry, saw that why are you connecting it to Goodfellas? That was on the poster. What did it say on the poster? Sorry, it said. Let me. I'll find out exactly what it. It must have just been Yakuza. The Goodfellas are big then. So it's on the. It looks like it's on a, a VHS cover, and it's actually it's Quentin Tarantino is promoting it, and it says strongly reminiscent of Goodfellas. Tarantino says that. So Tarantino was responsible for its uh, US release. Tarantino fucking loves this film. Mm. Um, I don't think it was Tarantino who said it, though. Rolling Stones Productions was like this short-lived production label that Tarantino had, and he was bringing largely like a lot of stuff internationally over. Uh, and this was one of, one of those films. I highly recommend, if you get a chance, go on YouTube and search for Quentin Tarantino Sonatine. And they, it shows you the introduction and then the outro that he did on the okay. VHS release of this this film, um, and it just makes me think, fuck, man, Tarantino. It's not that you've changed. You obviously everyone changes, but the way you are here is so pure. It's just pure love of cinema, and yeah. I, like you're the kind of man I want to I want to go and sit with and drink and talk film for hours. But nowadays, I don't think you'd be in that same way. He's very fresh-faced. Mm, yeah. But, I'm sure the love's still there. I'm sure the love's still there. Anyway, look, it is how it is. I would say, based on what you you two have, have said, that um, you probably won't like Boiling Point, the middle trilogy film. Um, this is that, the last one, isn't it? This is the last one. Boiling Point is... I feel like the most kind of aimless and sort of like, I don't really, I don't get why I should care about this and I don't really get why these things are happening, but it's still okay. Mm. But Violent Cop is worth a punt, I would say, because it's a straightforward story. It has a, it has a plot, but it's still all three. The things that are similar across all three are pacing, long shots, violence happens like bang and then off not like violence is never never sort of um yeah glorified that's what i liked about in this film as well whenever there was violence it wasn't like and now you're here to enjoy it it was like violence is just another thing that happens just like cooking a meal and then it Mm. and then we move on yeah interesting maybe maybe in the future when I get this taste of this out of my mouth. Well, I tell you, I'm, a, it's so, I'm, I'm, I'm sad about it. I thought that you might like it. Um, there you go. But Kitano, I would like to see much more of him now. And here's a bit of interesting trivia for you both. After this film, he was in a massive motorcycle crash. And he was in oh, wow. uh, intensive care for a couple of months. Oh. And when he came out of it, he's paralyzed. Half of his face is paralyzed. But he has said it was an unconscious suicide attempt. What? And so he made sonatine about a man who was unhappy and then committed suicide. And then he tried to kill himself on his motorbike. Wow. So there's a little bit of uh, biographical Reality in there. there. Yeah. 
Interesting. Well, you know what? The funny thing is about this episode is I think we're not going to get many listeners because I don't think a lot of people have seen it. But mm-hmm. ironically, this is kind of the platform to tell people, I think you should go and see it. So if you haven't yeah, seen it, despite us talking about all of that stuff, I really hope you go and watch it because it is it is an experience. And I'm very I'm very happy that I picked it because it's very different to yeah, anything sure. that I normally watch. Definitely. It's those films you only really watch because of this. Yeah. And um, there you go. That's that's it for Sonatine, I suppose. Unless you've got some other stuff. No, no, I'm happy no. to go to the ratings if you want to go to the ratings. Let's go to the ratings. We'll do it in order as, as we open things up. So, Adam, what's your rating? I give this film a classic, stable 7 out of 10. 7. Damning with faint praise, 7. There you go. Well, the first time I watched it, it was an 8. Second time I watched it, it was an 8. But a more assured 8. It was a bit more assured. So you've watched all three now as well. Where would you put it? It's the best of the three. But Violent Cop is very... It was it was touch and go. Basically, when I watched Violent Cop, I preferred it to Sonatine. But then when I watched Sonatine the second time, Sonatine went top because it was more of a journey. I f- it mm. f- it's the Sonatine is the most mature out of the three films. Okay, interesting. As in, it, it feel, it's saying something a little bit more. It says, profound, I feel I that, yeah, yeah. Well, funny enough. This film it gets exactly the same score as Manhattan Murder Mystery because I give this a five out of ten. Five, wow. fucking hell! Exactly the same as exactly Manhattan the same. Murder Mystery. God, well, Paul, hang on a minute. Why is nineteen ninety three dividing everyone so much? Why are we giving low scores to films in nineteen ninety three? Well, interesting. I'm glad that we're hitting films that we're not all aligned on. Mm, mm, finally. Uh, so that means, listeners, six point seven. It's a 6.7. Shall we just do it live? Yeah, there's not me. There's only three 6.7s. Okay, yeah. so, well, we know what it is for Paul. Uh, Adam, better or worse than Martyrs? This is better than Martyrs. Yes, it's better than Martyrs. Manhattan Murder Mystery, it's better than that for me. Yeah, yeah. Candyman, it's better than that for me. Yeah. Glass, it's not better than Glass for me. It doesn't, it doesn't. It's not Glass anyway, 6.8. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, so it's top of the 6.7s. So... There we go. It is positioned with glass above it, Candyman below it, and uh, it sits very close to Manhattan Murder Mystery. The two mm. 1993 films are like like buddies in the list. I wonder very if that's nice. going to be the case for the, some of the other 93s. It felt like that was the, the case for the 1987s. They're all very grouped together up in the, that's the eights, the high eights, it looks like. That's true. So, so far, 93 is off to a, a slower start than the previous yeah. years. I feel bad for Takeshi. Do you want to remind the listeners what we're doing next week? Yes, you better. Because I've forgotten a bit. <laughs> What's our next journey in 1993? It's your film. It's my pick. It is our first Van Damme film. We're doing Hard Target. That's the film. Hard Target. Hard Target. This is all very... Uh, is it? Is it? It's not really, though. Manhattan Murder Mystery is not masculine. I feel like it's all no, masculine. No. But it's not. This is a this is a diverse one. I, well, when we get to the end of '93, we'll be able to see what the common theme is. I don't yeah. think we can predict it at this stage. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Especially as I decided to go foreign, that threw a spanner mm. in the works. Yeah, because <laughs> what's going on in Japan is not what's going on in America. Yeah, for sure. Thematically, well, I'm glad. I'm glad I watched it. It's definitely an experience. It's definitely uh, 
very original. Yes. And something different. And uh, just won't be watching anymore. Maybe Violent Cop one day. Uh, it's just to put one final word in there. There is, I can get it. Like uh, there were times when I was n- not frustrated, but like, what's the point of this? You know, that's mm. how I was feeling at some point. I was like, well, this is pointless. Mm. Why am I? Why am I That's seeing? Why I get this? when you don't like it. Yeah, but then it comes together. You know, you know when you uh, listen to an album, yeah, your favorite band, and then there's four songs that immediately you love. You're like, it's mm-hmm. great, and then there's four songs you don't like really, and there's four songs in the middle. Those four songs you don't like in a year or two years time are the ones for me anyway that you end up listening to the most because they're the most intriguing because they're inaccessible from the off mm. and it's like well i can't i haven't resonated with this right away so no yeah. but because it's part of an album you always have to hear it hear it hear it when you're playing playing through the album and because you get that extra exposure you're like actually actually and i think with something like sonatine if it if it can do enough and it's if it doesn't that's it that's it it's the film's fault as far as you're concerned but if it can do enough to just wheedle its way enough into your brain to make you go hmm there's yeah. some there's an itch there i want to scratch then yeah i think it will reward you mm. that's what it did for me for titan that's what it did for me for melancholia and it was slightly for persona there you go and uh because all of our listeners are terrible people not a one of them has uh, left us a review of sonatine no no one wants to say what they thought, so no. I guess we just move on. We well, do. I'll be leaving the podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Since, since my films don't get picked, <laughs> don't get no love. It's the obscurity of it, I'm sure. Yes, well, I wish all of our listeners would obscure themselves and disappear forever. They, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> One of them They might. deserved it. They deserved it. Yeah, you idiots. Right, shall we move on to what our patrons have to say this week? Well, I can't be bothered to hear from them. <laughs> yes. Well, just just to, so they uh, get their money's worth. Let's hear from them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right, yes, we have our patrons sending in what they've been watching this week, the good and the bad, and we're going to talk about it. So first of all, we got Luke Human, and he's talking about Lake Mungo. He said, there's a hell of a lot of craft here that is so cleverly presented that it goes almost unnoticed. Performances by the unknown cast, at least here in the UK, bolster the overall effect, and this could easily pass for truth for those who are unwarned. Fascinating, moving, and dreadful. We are talked through a compelling story with believable characters. Lake Mungo is yet another example of the dis... Disproportionate level of quality in Australian filmmaking. Uh, he's literally just gone into our heads and started mm-hmm. talking about a film that transcends film and actually feels like a little bit of reality. Yeah, which is what we talk about in our patron. Was, it, was that in our patron? Or was it in this episode? No, it's our patron. We were oh, talking well, we about... speak about this in our patron, guys. Yeah. <laughs> It's very strange. He he did. He got completely into our heads. Mm, mm. Has anyone watched Lake Mungo? No, but I have heard about it. I don't know why. Mm. But it's on my watch list. It's been on there for a while. Didn't know it was Australian, though. No. I swear it's some, somebody else hasn't mentioned it before. 
Yeah, I feel like someone's mentioned Late Mungo before. It's, um, maybe Jamie's mentioned it. Well, it's it's intrigue. Mm. It's intriguing. It's intrigue. It's intrigue. He also says, Not so great was 2017's The Neighbour. Not only did they spell the title incorrectly, but contained awkward echoes of American beauty, this story of midlife crisis promises much, but never really leans into a meaningful direction. Kept interesting only by a terrific performance by William Ficht- Fichtner. Who's that? The name seems familiar, but I don't know who it is. He says, a rare chance as lead, this supposed thriller wastes a really interesting central character with an obvious narrative. William Fickner is from uh, The Dark Knight, and he is the bank manager who gets robbed at the oh, beginning. Okay. Oh. Who goes, oh, what are you, uh, what are you standing for? You don't for? know who you're messing with? Yeah. And he's in many other things other than that, but that's he's the main thing that I break. thought of. Prison break. Uh, yeah, as I don't know, but yes, Mahone. Mahoney. Mahoney? No, Mah- Mahoney is uh, from Batman, oh, but he's right. Mahone in Prison Break. I'm pretty sure. Echoes of American Beauty. Oh no, I'm Mahoney. It's Maroney in Batman. <laughs> well, there you <laughs> go. said Mahoney, it confused me. Maroney, and he's Mahone in Prison Break. Well, there you go. Well. Uh, we won't be watching that because no. it hasn't got a U in neighbour. No, yes. exactly. Um, next up, we have a little note here from Katie and Oti. Uh, they said, we watched a four-part BBC series called Rules of the Game, which focuses on the power imbalance in casual abuse and harassment of women, young girls, in the corporate workplaces. Though many of the characters are frustrated in, in their lack of moral fibre. That's kind of the point, and we overall really enjoyed it. Beware, it's our word against the low ratings. Lol. LOL. It's a low rated. Loud. I want to see how low rate it is now. Um, it must be low if they're actually mentioning it. Rules of the game. I've never heard of it. And it's an English show as well. It's... Uh, I, so it's not a documentary? Mm, 6.1. It's a documentary series. What is it, a documentary no. series? It's or? got Maxine Peake in it. It's a, I oh, recognise right. so it's a performance thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, 6.1. It, uh, it's pretty standard for an average TV show. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of uh, things about abuse and harassment of women, for those of you in the UK, I strongly recommend that you watch the documentary on Tim Westwood which you can find on BBC Three, which came oh, yes. out today. I can't go too much into it, but I have a very vested interest in making sure this gets out to as many people as possible. So see it, share it, and destroy the man. Destroy the fucking cunt, is what go. I say. There we go. You said yes. it. It's done, that word doesn't come up for many things. No. Well, to be fair, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Katie and OT. And finally, we will hear from patron Julio. And he, Julio! And he says, listen, I'm not going to talk trash about the Batman on the eve of Paul's nuptials. I'll just say it wasn't for me. Julio, at Paul's stag do, you were at the topic of the conversation for a few minutes as we mm. discussed the star rating that you gave it, sir. Mm-hmm. You, he revealed it to me, so you you, it, you intentionally ruined my stag do. Oh, Julio. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, he did <laughs> on your actual day. I was sad for the whole day. <laughs> uh, YouTube can thrash that out at some point. Uh, on the positive side, I watched Idiot Box. Idiot Box, a 90s Australian movie featuring a young Ben Mendelssohn, our boy Aww. Ben. It took a little while to hook me, but it built up to a nice little climax. Think slacker heist, but more slacking than heisting. Mm. Uh, I'm sold with Ben Mendelssohn. Yeah, we love a bit of Ben Mendelssohn. We do. We got a f- Look, Luke watched an Australian film, then two Australians suggested what? something, and then Julio suggested an Australian film. It's the Australian week. It's on the Australian week. G'day, mate. As your sister, <laughs> come on, talk. Put another shrimp on a Barbie. What do you say, Adam? This is just going to get offensive. Come on, do an accent, Adam. Crikey, it's a crock. I don't know. Listen, you bloody galah. Why don't you get off your thing? I can't do accents. Get some tucker. That's not a knife. This is a knife. He's a pretend Australian. He can jump in the drink. As far as I'm concerned. No, What's I've never that seen from? that film. Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee. Crocodile Dundee. Mm. It's not impressive. Came out the year I was born, though. Oh, so old. Not as good as Howard the Duck, though. No. Anyway, thank you, <laughs> patrons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tangential conversations we have. We d- we let our patrons say something, and then we just completely dismiss and just talk about other <laughs> shit. That's what they pay for. That's what they pay for. We love you. Thanks for all of those recommendations. I always yes. add the shit to my watch list. Here's here's something that I want us to be, find a way of getting Letterbox to do this. Mm-hmm. When you add items to your watch list, the option to add a note that says why. Because like what yes. I want to do is, yeah. why, why is this in my watch list? Oh, right. Paul recommended that. Why do I want to watch this? Oh, this Quentin Tarantino uh, spoke about it on some documentary. Why I know they, how you can why do they it. don't allow that? Huh? Well, actually, that's not going to do it if you want it very specific, saying Quentin Tarantino mentioned on a documentary. I was going to say you could add it to a list so it says, like, Julio's patron recommendations. Oh, I know, but, yeah, but I have so many... There's so many different reasons why I have yeah. a thing. that That's too much. Well, that's down to you, mate. Sorry. <laughs> no, but, you know, like, because there's many different... I know. There's people I know. or things and stuff. I just, it's a little thing, and I don't know why they don't do it, because what I would like is to watch a film that's been able to watch this for a while and then if the person is real, return to the person in the real world and go, oh, you know, you mentioned this. This is what I thought of it. Do we have anything else to say? The best of everything. That's what I wish for you. Right, that is Solatine, everyone. Thank you, Ben, for bringing that to the podcast. That's another film. uh, Don't thank me. I've done nothing for you. Uh, You did nothing for me, but you did something for... Yes. And maybe some of the listeners as well. A 7 out of 10. If that's something, um, you know, I wanted to help everyone, and uh, I've done nothing. You only helped yourself, mate. Sadly, sadly. <laughs> but let's see who we can help next week with my pick, which is Hard Targets. Hopefully, we get a lot more comments this time. Why yes. does Paul only pick films this year that are hard? Hard ticket, <laughs> hard target. What was the middle one? Oh, Copland doesn't really work. <laughs> he had his act- letterbox I just accidentally stuck on the letter H and he couldn't work out how to get off it. Yes, yeah. that's it. I could have done... Maybe we could do Hard Candy when that comes up. Hard what Candy, hard films are yes. Hard. Uh, what other films are hard? Hard. Get Hard. <laughs> Never seen that film in my life. Uh, Tom uh, Hardy films. 
Oh no, that's that's not very good. <laughs> the Hardy like Boys documentary. Oh, Alright, I'm going, lads. I've had enough of you. Harder they fall. Oh yeah, good one. Um Hard Hard Luck Harry. I don't know what that is. I made that one up. <laughs> Sounds like a kid's book. Did you say get hard Harry? Hard luck. Oh. <laughs> what that say as a porn film. Uh Are you just adding hard to films now? Yep. I am. So, Adam, get thinking about your 1993 film, which you'll be yes. revealing next week. Yes. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, listeners. I know that it wasn't a nice film for everyone. Well, it might have been a nice film for everyone. We don't know. It wasn't a nice film for me, but it could have been a nice film for everyone else. This is one of those episodes that separates the casual fan from the oh, absolutely. dedicated. Yes. And especially if they make it to this point as well. Busters. Hi, I'm Quentin Tarantino. And welcome to the outro for Sonatine. Now let me describe a little bit um, uh, about the man you just saw, Beat Takashi, about his, his career, kind of catch you up to date with Sonatine. Um, Beat Takashi is a very successful actor in Japan, uh, but he was primarily known as a comedian. One thing you need to know about um, um, the Japanese Yakuza film is uh, it's a long-standing genre in Japan. The, the uh, Yakuza or Yakuza um, is the Japanese equivalent of the mob. The Yakuza films changed drastically in the early 70s when uh, the director uh, Kenji Hukasaku, who did the film uh, Black Lizard, which uh, uh, you might have seen, and uh, he also directed the Japanese segments of uh, Tora Tora Tora, best segments in the movie. Um, did a, a, a Yakuza film called Fight Without Jingy. Now, um, the word Jingy is a very special word in, in J- Japanese. Uh, there actually isn't an American equivalent for it. The closest equivalent would be honor, but Jingy is something more than that. Um, it's like a higher place of honor. Honor just doesn't quite cover it. Now, uh, Kenshi Hukasaku's film Fight Without Jingy set off a different style of Yakuza film. You know, there is no sentimentality about it. It was all rough, and it was all harsh, and it was all just violent, and, you know, there was no romanticism about it at all, all right? And that's created an entirely new wave of Yakuza films that pretty much kind of stands to this day. Which brings us now to what Bitakashi did with them when he did Sonatine. Basically, something has happened in Japan where... The main movie-going audience who decides to see a film is the women, either the wife or the girlfriend, which actually is not too different from the way it used to be in America in the 30s and 40s. I've heard Orson Welles talk about that, that it was, you know, it was the woman at home reading film fun and everything and saying, hey, let's go see the new Tyrone Power movie. And they were the ones that kind of picked picked the movie. And the husband and boyfriend kind of just went along. Well, that's the case that exists right now in Japan. So the Yakuza films haven't been doing well, and the uh, uh, samurai films haven't been doing well. What does well there is stuff like Milo and Otis, and um, um, uh, you know, dog pictures do really well there, and um, and any kind of romantic kind of thing. It has I mean, literally the when they release a film in Japan, it has to be geared geared towards a female audience. Like the way things have to be geared towards a a 19 year old audience in America, they has to be geared toward a female audience. So even if there's like a tiny little bit of romance in a movie, you'll be a big thing on the poster of you know looks like Gone with the Wind. Um, so in this environment. <laughs> 
Pete Takashi came out with these three cut-your-head-off films of full-on brutality, all right, which was, you know, kind of blew everyone's mind, all right? And oddly enough, um, you know, well, actually, maybe not oddly enough, these films actually didn't do that well in Japan. They got a tremendous amount of um, uh, press. He was extremely, uh, uh, he, he was you know, taken as one of the most exciting directors to emerge in Japan uh, in the, the last decade. But box office-wise, they only did okay. It was the first film I had seen since I had been doing my take on gangster pictures that I was like, oh, wow. This guy's kind of after the same thing I'm after. Now, um, if you saw the Chunky Express video, I said something like that about uh, uh, Wong Kar Wai, but it was more like about Wong, where Wong Kar Wai is coming from as far as his style and his, you know, I don't know, say to say quoi. But uh, uh, as far as with a beat Takashi, it truly is. He's actually kind of going down the exact same road I'm going in his own Japanese beat Takashi way. You know, and it's like, you know, it's it's his, you know, and he's much actually much more of a minimalist than I am, which is, again, one of the things I, 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 I love about his work. And just that whole, the whole scene with the, the Russian roulette scene is one of the most funny and surprisingly shocking scenes I've, I've ever seen. And I think that's, uh, that's, that's a true masterpiece scene. But, um, uh, but this was a, just a, like a bracing bucket of cold water in the face of uh, 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 the Japanese film industry and Yakuza films. And the critics loved it. So the film's played all over the world, has gotten all kinds of acclaim. Bitakashi is actually the first uh, uh, Japanese filmmaker in maybe a decade to kind of uh, make a big break from Japan onto the world film scene. And so we were just really proud to uh, finally get it. So you can actually see it here in, in, in America, uh, you know, with the right subtitles, and we're just real proud of it. Also, one other interesting thing is Bitakashi is such a star in Japan that he was cast as one of the, the bad guys in the film uh, Johnny Mnemonic with uh, um, uh, Keanu Reeves. But some Japanese money went into the making of Johnny, uh, Johnny Mnemonic. And so one of the things about it was they said, okay, we're going to put some money in the film, but you have to film 15 more additional minutes with Beat Takashi for the Japanese market. So if you see like a Japanese import of Johnny Mnemonic and everything, it's like there's going to be a lot more Beat Takashi scenes because he's so famous there, which I get a big kick out of. I still haven't seen that kind of that from him, so I'd like to see that someday. So that is it for uh, um, Rolling Th this edition of uh, Rolling Thunder Video. I hope you enjoyed Sonatine. And the next film we've got coming out after this is a black exploitation film from the uh, mid 70s called uh, Detroit 9000, which the ad line in the um, newspapers when it came out was filmed in the murder capital of the USA, Detroit, Michigan. Uh, and it stars uh, Harry Rhodes and uh, Alex Rocco and Vanetta McGee and is directed by Arthur Marks, who part of such terrific films as Monkey Hustle and um, Bucktown. So anyway, until next time, with Detroit 9000, this is Quentin Tarantino, and thanking you for watching Rolling Thunder Video.